Welcome to Somebody Date Jen and Kyle, the podcast where two people in their 30s are looking and trying to find love. I am Jen Sanford. This is Kyle Marshall. And Kyle, how are you? You know, I'm doing good. I am uh, I'm, I'm spry. I'm happy. I'm living large. I'm taking life by the horns. I don't know. What other cliches do you want me to living say? Living large. <laughs> I'm large and in charge. Explain yourself. Oh, I stopped caring. You know what? I got, I got what? up this morning and said, fuck it. Who cares? And that's how I've been living my day. You know what? I got to say that today wasn't my day either. <laughs> today was not my, not my day. I feel like a little bit on this Friday night, like it's, uh, you know, the world won gen no score. But um, mm. I'm hoping to make it back. I'm hoping to make it back tonight because I'm really excited for what we're talking about. Should we just get into it? Yeah, let's jump you're sure it. you don't want to do some relationship scorecard where you can tell me how like about all the group sex you're having jen uh jen i edit this podcast which means that i get the benefit of listening to each episode twice and so right. the amount of times you've gotten to pass on the relationship scorecard <laughs> i think i am owed <laughs> one pass Oh no! Oh no! Does that mean I have to go? Or are we both passing? Yeah. What's what's going on with you? What was your week like? It's getting a little rough with with Jesus. Um, this, of course, not being Jesus Christ, but a man that I'm dating who looks strikingly like the modern day depiction of hot Catholic Jesus, Jesus plus thirty pounds. <clears throat> um. So yeah, we're we're um we're doing this new thing. Uh, I'm not sure if our if our listeners would be familiar with it. It's called "Why Do You Have to Do It Like That?" and there are no winners. An example would be like, well, listen, like I tout myself as being like a pretty bright person. I think I kind of like I haven't gotten to 38 years old by accident, and so mm -hmm. I just kind of like have a way that I like to do things, and I'm finding that there are moments where I see Jesus riding a unicorn with a rainbow underneath and the, the unicorn is farting the words. Anyone who does it differently is wrong. Everybody who disagrees with me is wrong or some expression of that. That is canonically how Noah's Ark was boarded actually. So. That's what I, yeah, that's, I thought that too. I might be mixing up my that Bible too. stories. Mm, I think you got it. So for example, like this week, my vehicle broke down um, and I went to have it repaired and I went to the dealership because I want to have a service record that's complete from the dealership because if I sell it back or trade it in, I, it's going back to that dealership. And I, I'm kind of just, that's kind of like the way I've done it. They don't care that much, Jen. That's, and this was Jesus's argument. And he was like, what are you doing? Just take it to some guy somewhere. It doesn't, you're axing, you're like, you're throwing away your money. And I was like, listen, I, I'm just going to do it this way. And it was not like, okay, I'll respect your choice. It was, mm -hmm. you are so fundamentally unnecessary with this decision that I can't let it go. And I'm just like, okay, if we had to count up or, or make a chronology of all the things that you do that I'm just like, uh, okay, we would be here all month. So I just kind of, and then my, as you know, like my, I've been having terrible issues with my, with my Mac. This Mac mm -hmm. has been a workhorse for me. I, Apple is not a sponsor of this podcast, but I have to just tell you, Kyle, I sat at this machine for 10 years. I wrote a graduate certificate in disaster management behind it. I started a business. I sold that business. I wrote some of the best speeches of my career. I got a master's degree. I got two fellowships. Like, I feel like the, the things, the person I have become while sitting behind this Mac has fundamentally changed my life. I get that. I, I become uh, so nostalgic for technology and other things in my life. But at the end of the day, all that stuff was you who was doing that. It was not the machine that was doing that I for get you, it. I get it. But I was also the kid that cried. It's 10 years. That is a good run for any type of computer. That is a good run. I get it. But but I was that kid that cried when like the dryer had to be replaced, like putting little flowers <laughs> in the dryer and being like, I love this dryer. It took such good care of me. So I do build these emotional connections. It is a flaw in my character that I wish I did not have. But but now, of course, like I'm going to replace it. And of course, I'm like I'm in the Mac universe. So I'm going to replace with mm -hmm. a Mac. And Jesus is like, oh, why? What is wrong with you people and your Mac tax? And, you, you know, you're asking to pay money. You could buy a Chromebook or whatever. And I'm mm -hmm. just like, 
nobody asked you. Nobody is soliciting <laughs> your opinion on this. I get that Mac is not your world. Apple is not your world. That's fine. You're welcome to have that. But back it off. Back it off. It's mine. Back it off. At the, at the risk of derailing this podcast too much, maybe this is even a future episode, is there anything that you cannot let go of? And I'm not talking about deal breakers, but just things that just bug you enough. It's like, doesn't matter. I have to say something if I see someone doing it a certain way. Because I can honestly say, for the vast majority of things, I see other couples, my parents, all get into these weird, like, dig heels in. And all I can do is be like a third party and be like, it doesn't matter. I don't, like, who cares? <laughs> why are, why are we having this argument about this? But it's always emblematic of the idea that it's mm. it. those bickering arguments, I think, are always emblematic of asymmetry. The idea that you're riding me, so I'm going to ride you, right? If you mm. pick my things and my shit's not acceptable to you, then I'm going to counter with it. I have to say, like, when I met Jesus, he has this little chip in one of his teeth. And I was like, oh, he's got a little chip. He's got a little mm -hmm. chip. And now that he rides my ass on every single thing, I'm like, get that chip fixed. Get it fixed. Like, Whoa. it's like... It's like my Whoa. ability to say, like, get it fixed, because if I have to be this whole thing, you have to be this whole thing. And that, I think, is like the road to hell. I'm fairly confident, um, mm -hmm. but I'm on it. And um, yeah, it's uh, but it's getting pretty cantankerous for us being so new into this. And I feel like I've been talking about Jesus for a long time. Mm -hmm. And as you know, Kyle, like I've talked a lot on this podcast about my fear of the rocking chair, right? That... Jesus is something to do, but it's not going to take me anywhere. And I'm not sure that's my goal at uh, at 38, but um, right. I guess I'm 39 now. Just as long as your fights don't turn into the Old Testament, we'll probably be okay. Although, wouldn't that be great content for this podcast? <laughs> we've got plagues. We've got locusts. We've got everything. Welcome to season two of So Many Dates, Jenny Kyle. It's, it's getting biblical. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, that's my update. And if you're going to take a pass, then let's get into the theme of the week, shall we? Yeah. So it's April Fool's Day today. It is. Did anybody prank you this morning? I feel like 2022 has been the prank of 2021's <laughs> <laughs> lingering fingers in, in all of my life. So n nothing specific. Let's put it that way, Jen. How about you? Does, do no, people... I'm too cunning. I'm too cunning to be caught on April Fool's Day. People stay away mm -hmm. from me. But because I've been behind some good pranks, I've been the pranker and the pranky. So I think people people step out of the depth of me. What was the best you've ever seen someone be pranked or you've been pranked or you've pranked on April Fool's Day? What takes the top <sighs> spot for you? I, I was really trying to think about this because the thing about it is I am not a pranker. So I would never do it because my personality just does not allow me even for a moment to feel like I'm being like overtly an asshole to somebody. It just I don't feel good about it that being said a well-executed prank is something that i find joy out of you know we had the great opportunity um i think we're starting to become friends where we went and watched <laughs> jackass together the the newest jackass movie yes and i yes. watched this other movie from last year called good trip which uh, stars eric andre yeah. Two basic things are set up on like pranking and pranking other people. But yeah. what I've mostly enjoyed, I'm sure there's exceptions to this in both of their bodies of work, but at least in those two films, the pranks are never at the expense of like an unwitting person. It's either the person is getting pranked and they're kind of in on it, like they know they're <laughs> have to do something degrading, or it's kind of in good fun where Johnny Knoxville's falling through a roof in a furniture store. So you're not like throwing some unsuspecting person into like, I don't know, a yeah, room with a bear or something safe. like that. Because you've seen those other things where people are just being like, I don't know, getting stuff th thrown in their face or getting pushed over. I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't feel good about this yeah. in particular. My brother was the bad boy of the family, okay? Ooh. And it was my cross to bear. Because every year, he's three years older than I am, and every year, I would get another teacher that he had already had, and they'd yeah. do the roll call on the very first day, and they'd be like, Kyle Marshall, and they're like, oh, are you, are you Ryan's brother? And I'd, be, and I'd have to say yes. And then there would be a great big sigh that they would elicit. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, now I have to like rehabilitate the family name, which then got ruined by my sister who came five years after. But whatever. So I had... <laughs> this enormous <laughs> challenge to like overcome these expectations of other people. He and his friends, I remember doing a prank, which I think is actually pretty fun 
where they one morning went into the high school and for all the teachers they had, they inverted everything. So like all the desks were upside down, the teacher's desk was upside down, all the posters were upside like literally went in and like went through the whole thing. And I think that's, that's kind of fun. Safe that's kind fun. Of, that's a safe, safe fun. But I don't, I'm, I'm literally racking my brain. Like there's been jokes played on me or there, there's been like, I'm better at like having like a verbal confrontation with somebody going back and forth, but I can't say there's ever been a huge prank ever played on me. Hmm. How about you, Jen? Any, any pranks played on you? You know, much like you, I was a shadow kid from my own brother. He was a hmm. big, big, big pranker. And that's, I think what makes him my mother's favorite is because my mother loves to be pranked. Mm-hmm. Like she just lives for it. And sometimes I think she knows she's being pranked, but she's like, no, I'm just going to go with it because it's going to be so fun. She loves to be pranked. So we come from a family where pranking is like a, is like a really big deal. My brother's mm-hmm. like a terrible pranker. He'll call you and tell you somebody died oh, and like God. they'll be dressed for the funeral. Like it's like he's can get people going. Right. Um, my, my brother was a big pranker in school as well. He took a home economics class, like talk about the talk about the playing the long game and made cupcakes for like the entire student body and staff lounge and just completely laced it with x just took out Jesus. the entire school for about a three-day period. I think it was in the paper, actually. That's just a small town <laughs> thing. But um, that was, like, he was big on that. And, but I think one of the best pranks um, was my, so my former, my former boyfriend, uh, he was married for a long time. And then they were in the process of getting divorced. And we had met, I think it was, we had met in, like, February, March or whatever. And he, he phoned his ex-wife on April Fool's Day. And just was like, hi, can you, can you come get me? And she's like, where are you? And she's totally disoriented because it's so early in the morning. And he's like, I'm at the hospital. And she's like, oh my God, what happened? And he, she's like, he's like, I wanted to get a surprise for Jennifer. So I got my vasectomy reversed. Can you come and come and get me? And she's just like, but you're so old. <laughs> and he's like, What? <laughs> Can you just come and get me? And he had her in the vehicle driving to the hospital Jesus. for you. He's like, just April Fool's. And then she was like, oh my God. I can't believe I fell for that. So that's, you and know. And then she set his house on fire. So I was fine. Yeah, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. But we, you know, we come from a really pranky, uh, jokey family. But I have to admit that I have not dated or been in relationship with anyone who has wanted to prank me. Mm-hmm. As part of an element of our relationship, I'm a little bit on, I was a little bit on edge with Jesus this year because I didn't know if he was going to be, I thought he might be a candidate to to prank. And I kind of don't know why I didn't prank him. Maybe I should have. I'm that kind of girl, I think. Your daughter's dead. Yeah. Great prank. Great prank. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I'll say this up front. I don't think I would enjoy it. I do. I don't think I would enjoy no? having pranks being pulled on me in a relationship. Like I said, I don't mind like teasing or i don't know going all in on something like one of my favorite things growing up and i know controversial figure now but i loved roseanne the sitcom roseanne a lot growing up and they always had their like uh, special like halloween episode where they just went all out on that episode of them like dressing up in their costumes and stuff like that kind of stuff i'd be totally down for that kind of stuff would be cool but uh yeah i don't want to be like come home and be like snakes and have something thrown in my face like that just is not (laughs) fun for me Well, i think it also just it depends on like how malicious it is right like Mm -hmm. it all like how psychologically torturing it is like if you were to yeah you're right like put them in a room full of snakes and then turn the power out you'd be like this is this is emotionally traumatizing to me this isn't funny in particular as someone who is like deathly deathly afraid of like mice rats that sort of thing mm-hmm. i grew up in a family where my siblings thought it was the funniest thing to pretend that they were throwing a mouse on me and it fucking is terrifying i hated it it's the worst it's the worst feeling when you're actually legitimately terrified about something and people think it's funny when you freak out over it yeah that's one of my greatest fears in a relationship is that they'll be so tone deaf to the seriousness of my fear that then they'll do something thinking, oh, I can make something lighthearted out of something you're afraid of. Like, I think, honestly, if I were to, like, throw a box of little toy mice at you just to be Mm -hmm. fun, we probably wouldn't be friends. You'd probably be like, well, you don't know me. And that was really cruel. And that just says everything I need to know about you. Um, Uh uh And and I think so. I think there's a level of sensitivity, but I've been following this. It started as a couple, but I think they've expanded to include their two kids. And they're on TikTok and they like they just do these great videos where they 
where they pop these balloons and this white sort of Elmer's glue substance comes down and just lands on them. And then they pop a party popper and confetti goes everywhere. And they do it in their home and they always laugh and they're always so happy and they have this prank culture. And you know that sometimes she's like dressed for work. And you know that like she's starting again or they'll do it in the kitchen and you'll be like, oh, my God, that's going to be all over where you make food. And yet it's become like this whole thing where they try to they try to get each other. And the prank is always the same, mm-hmm. which is like the the popping of this balloon, the landing of the shit all over their body and then the popping of the confetti everywhere. And I can't believe how popular they've become on on TikTok by just having these simple pranks. And I think it really gives a sense that there's a like mindedness and I think that's the key to a good prank is, is it like-mindedness? Is everybody sort of kind of along for the ride and share the same type of humor? And is it meant to be malicious or be or be friendly? I will tell you, if I'm talking about TikTok, there was this, there was this video, I think it, think it might have been on YouTube, but it was somewhere mm-hmm. in the viral space. And this woman changed her girlfriend's phone number like what comes up on the phone, you know how you, you can set like Kyle Marshall mm-hmm. or Jen Sanford. She set it to nine one one, and then Jesus. she's in the vehicle with her boyfriend, and he's driving, and she's like, "Something's something's wrong. I think I'm going into labor." She was heavily pregnant at the time. Sorry, I should have said. And then he, she's like, "Oh my god, this is really getting serious." And he's like, "Okay, I'm going to start driving you to the hospital." And then as they get close, she's like, "Pull over. I'm not going to make it. Call nine one one." So, of course, she dials 911 on her phone, puts it on the speakerphone, and he's talking to her girlfriend, and it says 911 on the top. And she's like, okay, I need you to get blankets. I need you to get all this stuff. And he's really starting to freak out. And she's like, you're probably going to have to deliver in the car, and you're going to be fine. Like, be a trooper. Get her pants down. So, they're on the side of the road, and he's undressing the bottom half of her. And she's like, take a look. You want to look for this? And he's like giving instructions. And he's like, I don't see it. I don't see it. I can't see it. And he's like, well, have her help you. And he's like, she can't see over to help me and you can just see that he's just getting more and more and more and more distressed until the point where she's like just kidding it's just a prank and you can tell that he's like not okay mm-hmm. like he's like not okay he just sits down on the side of the road and you're like oh my god this was a first time dad who would have been on the side of the freeway and like that to me i think was a pretty malicious prank yeah I, that's the thing I, I just don't think Playing with people's emotions is not really a great prank. I think you, it's similar to a great joke construction where like set up, pay off, you know, everyone can have a good time or like there's something you expect. Oh, it's not. So if you're in a safe space, cool. But yeah, like on the side of the road, undressing your wife, like you're you're going to be like so the adrenaline, the adrenaline is going to be flowing through you yeah, so the much. Adrenaline. That, yeah, I just think like if it's if it's harming that other person, it's it's not funny. But I don't want to I don't want to suck the fun out of it because I do think that April Fool's Day really represents, right. you know, some fun of our evolution as a species. You know, we do humiliate each other for the opportunity to feel joy. I find it's mm-hmm. the best kind of sycophantic fun. Yeah, and it is like the day where you really can't believe anything you read online. So it's like I always <laughs> check. It's like, is it April? Yeah, okay, I'm not uh, going to believe yeah, this news is. release. It is. Yeah. It is. It is. I will tell you that I worked for WestJet, which is a popular airline here in Canada, and we used to have a lot of fun on April Fool's mm-hmm. Day. We used to do things like uh, moving to metric time for your flights, which is an impossible yeah, uh, time to calculate, um, changing out regular oxygen for helium to make our planes lighter. And as we explain it, the voice gets higher. But I think probably our most popular was we had introduced a program called Cargo Kids, where kids mm-hmm. rode underneath the aircraft in a state-of-the-art food trough, and you could be on the flight. And we had an incredible amount of people call and try to book that. Whoa. We I used to be part of those pitch meetings and I would always try to pitch uh, like rocket seats, one seat outside the aircraft. You just have a seat on the wing. <laughs> it's premium, it. premium, premium seating. I thought the visual would have been hilarious of a flight attendant trying to bring you your food. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> the water spilling everywhere. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we took to our own social environment and asked... What is the most embarrassing or awkward thing that's happened to you in a relationship? Something that would be like April Fool's Day type funny. And you, as always, you guys delivered. Uh, Here's a few of what we heard. My girlfriend asked me why I bought condoms when we shared a hotel room together when we first started dating again. I told her, I don't know what you have. I meant, I don't know what you have for birth control. She took it to mean STDs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to be fair, that is kind of how you phrase that answer, but yes. <laughs> uh, the next one is, at an amusement park with the guy I was seeing, and my ex was in the queue behind us with another ex of mine, 
Both these relationships ended on bad terms and was so awkward just standing there in line in silence. So I said, yeah, I've ridden everybody on this ride. Not one peep from anyone. <laughs> Reminds me of those moments where you're like, say something. Just say something, but don't say something dumb. And uh. that's exactly what comes out. Uh, my guy told me he loved me and was expecting me to say it back. I didn't feel that way. It was the worst sex I'd ever had. The unending eye contact, the thrusting. We broke up before he even finished. Ugh, oh, man. Cringeworthy. Cringeworthy. We had all been drinking at my house, and we all lay on my bed to, ca to crash out. About six of us, it was a huge bed, and there was one of my guy friends on one side of me and another on the other side. I look up, and they're holding hands above my head and stroking each other's thumbs with their own. I ask what they're doing. Aww. They had just met that night, and were both straight. And it turns out they both thought they were holding my hand. It was awkward and hilarious. <laughs> I think that's a setup for a new rom-com right there. That totally is a great setup. Um, so, ooh, what hairy hands you have. When Harry met Harry. Yep. That's right. Oh, I was talking. Oh, God, I love this one. I was talking to my girlfriend about queefing and other gross <laughs> shit when she tells me to turn around. And there's her dad standing there the whole entire time. That is the worst. I know it's like a huge uh, like film cliche almost of like saying something dumb or saying something about a person then turning around yeah. and they're standing there. But that has actually happened a couple of times in my life. And there's nothing worse <gasps> than being like, oh, you were not supposed to be standing there as I was saying this. Oh, or no. the most embarrassing thing, me like singing by myself, thinking that there's no one at home. I'm like, oh, hello, person that I did not know was here. Probably should not Aww. have tried that high note. and. Uh, I will always love you, but I guess we're both uh, we're both better just, for it. Yeah, we've just both been part of something. I thought telling my first girlfriend that she had a big vag would be a compliment. Oh, no. <laughs> Lesson <That's>, learned. Uh... <laughs> the first time I kissed a guy, I was 18 years old. Up until then, my only exposure to kissing was from sex scenes in shows and movies. Oh, no. When we started to make out on the train, I made obscenely loud moaning noises because I thought that's how you were supposed to do it. God, I hate myself. <laughs> oh, no. Mortifying. Mortifying. Is, uh, this, this is what is kind of mortifying about just sex in general. Of course, like that is a lot of what you have access to is like popular culture, media. But then even if you do have sex education... Like, they never talk about this type of stuff of like this. The, no, they do not. The, 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 the setup, the thing that's always like, we're going to be very serious about it. And the penis enters the vagina. And this is what happens. Like, that's all that they talk exactly. about. It's like, yeah, but what would you do on a first date? Like, that's what I think that should be added to the sex curriculum. You can write in, right, right into the education minister and, and, let, and let her know. All right. Here's the last one. Uh, I wore a okay. four length leather jacket to our first date because the Matrix was really cool at the time. Oh, shit. It was probably July, too. Just, yeah, there you the are. Worst. I love it. So that's the question of the week. You can visit our website, Somebody Date Jen and Kyle. That's Jen double N. Uh, Somebody Date Jen and Kyle dot com. And you'll see right beside the fishbowl, the question of the week. And we, man, we've been impressed with your submission. So please keep them coming. We do change out that question quite often. So there's an opportunity to bookmark it. Keep coming back and uh, and have some fun with us. And we'll read it on air. You can also send an audio clip to us at somebodydatejenandkyle at gmail.com. And then we'll actually play your audio, which we certainly would love to do because it's one thing mm -hmm. for us to read it. It's you. It's better for you to enjoy your own mortified humiliation in real time and say, hey, mom and dad, I was on the radio. Absolutely. We want to share in your pain. Jen, you want to go to the fishbowl? Yeah, sure do. Right, let me just grab it here. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait, before we get to this fishbowl. Yeah. And you pluck your keys out as you do every week. I want to just ask you a question because we talked about pranking, but a lot of what people just shared was about them being humiliated of their own resolve. Right, What's right, right. What's the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you in a relationship or with a partner or even just in the world? The most, most embarrassing thing that has ever happened to me in a sexual context was second date with a guy we decide that it's time to move on up to the bedroom. I'm on top. He's on bottom. And uh, I'm still so mortified to this day. You know, we're getting into it. I'm enjoying it. And then a bit of drool just fell out of my mouth right into his eye. And it's like, oh, and he's like blinded. And he's like, what happened? And I don't want to take it away from you. But like, that's not bad. 
that's it's not bad. awful. I mean, there's other like performance things that have happened in my life too, but that's the most mortifying one was drooling on somebody. How about you, Jen? Yeah. <laughs> Who I'm did you drool of, on? I'm trying to think of like what it's like some of the most mortifying things that have like I've had a lot of little embarrassing things, but I will say that recently, I don't know what <laughs> it sticks out in my mind because it's so recent, maybe, but I went out for dinner with Jesus and we were driving back to his place and I was fine, 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 fine. And then got three quarters away there. And my stomach was just like, oh, we are not fine. Mm. We are not fine. We are not fine at all. Actually, we're kind of in a crisis now. And I was just like, I'm not going to make it to his home. I'm not even sure I want to make it to his home. And so I just said, I, and I, there must have been a look on my face because I just looked over at him and said, you have to pull over anywhere as absolutely quickly as you can please and i'm he's like for what and i was just looked at him and didn't say anything and he's like okay 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 i'm pulling over so he pulls into the the, i'm probably gonna get a i'm gonna get a ticket from bylaw for this he pulls over onto the onto the ridge that overlooks the city so you're on a major thoroughfare is what you're saying yep and i i get out of the vehicle and i'm Running with no destination, which is just like... <laughs> just frantically going in some direction, yeah. <laughs> yes, and thinking to myself, what am I going to do? Because it's winter, therefore there are no trees, no leaves on any trees. And so finally I'm like, I can't, I just, it's just going to be right here. And there's like the major thoroughfare of traffic on both sides, people walking their dogs, People parked up there trying to have a lovely time overlooking the city. There's probably a man proposing to a a, a person there. Um, and there I am just shitting in the bushes. I don't know what to say. So then. <laughs> there is so much money I would have spent to have been coming back from Christmas shopping and just looking over and being like, is that Jim Sanford <laughs> shitting over there? <laughs> And so then I just, you know, you just got to kind of pull yourself together and I get in the vehicle and Jesus is going to be a perfect gentleman. He just is. And so we get in and I don't make eye contact with anybody, even though I see a plethora of people in cars. And I get into the vehicle, puts his hand in mine and he backs up the vehicle and his four-year-old daughter in the back says, how come I can't poop outside? <laughs> That's a perfect, <laughs> perfect comedy moment. <laughs> and then, you know, Jesus in his capacity as father of the year has to just be like, you know, sometimes accidents happen. And that would have been the f- freeze frame and credits roll. It had been great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that moment for those, that family will not die. It will not die. And so it doesn't matter what I've achieved in my life. And if we don't make it, I'm the girl, I'm that girl that daddy once dated that, um, that pooped in public. I guess that's what I owe. So I've had lots of humiliating things, but that one feels unusually fresh in my mind. Let's now let's go to the fishbowl because I want to die. <clears throat> Great. Well, you can answer some of these, uh, these questions that uh, people have submitted here for us. So let's start with this one. I'm 22. My girlfriend is 21. We like to have fun together. I'd hope so. But too often, she tells little lies to get a reaction from me. At first, it was funny. But now, I'm starting to, like, not trust her and what she says. How can I get her to rein it back? What do you think, Jen? Well, you know, I get it. I get it. I I think I might have been able to be accused of this in my in my past life that you kind of just say little things to have the other person go what and it's so exciting to have there be this little burst of energy in your relationship i get it but if it's getting to the point where it's eroding trust and confidence i mean that's the only thing you're really building in your 20s is you're building these connection points based on trust and confidence with one with one another do I feel confident that this person has my back do i feel confident as a person when i'm in this person am i giving that same confidence and is trust between those two things. And if those things are being eroded, then you have to have a conversation. And I think the way you just rein it back is just to be honest in the moment. Don't let it, um, remember when we had the, the psychologist on and she said that you build little bricks 
And pretty mm-hmm. soon you can't see over those bricks to your partner. This would be a great example of that, right? Just to say right in the moment, like, don't don't lay a brick just to say, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like this just it makes me feel like I can't trust you because then I can't keep track of like when that little thing wasn't true that you said to get a rise out of me. And pointing out innocent fun gone awry is an okay thing. And I think it's a great skill to learn at 22 as well. I think mm-hmm. having a conversation about it to say, hey, come on now and be lighthearted about it. I think that's a great thing to to learn at 22 and 21. I think there's winners on both sides. If you can just say like, hey, man, I'm uh, it's actually kind of making it kind of hard to trust you. And let's say like, I, I, I don't want this to feel like it's a whole big conversation because, you know, I think you're really special and I really love you. And this is just kind of getting in our road now. Well, especially, I think this is like the clear difference between obvious teasing and like you're doing this specifically to make it seem like what you're saying is true. Like maybe it's a fine line for some people, but Jen, you now know me a little bit and know that oftentimes, even on this podcast, I might say things just to uh, in a sarcastic manner, but I cannot yeah. tell you how many times in my real life people have thought I've been telling the truth when I say those things i'm like no 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 no, no. that was a joke part of the thing is one what jen said like if this is truly impacting how you trust the other person that needs to be brought up uh, very quickly and in the moment but also then maybe perhaps for chance the more you get to know someone you'll understand their style and like when their tone of voice changes like oh obviously they're not saying something that's true here but figure it out now mm-hmm Figure it out now. It also just depends on what those little lies are. Because if things go unchecked, I was just going to use the same example, actually, because I think if little things go unchecked, they become big things. Mm -hmm. Right. And I I think it's a it's a there might be a little bit of a seeking where the line is between what you will and you won't tolerate. I've said this on this podcast a lot of times. What you permit, you promote. So if it's not congruent for you, you got to say something. Here's the next question. I'm 28 and my partner is 25. He comes from a super lighthearted family who lives to prank. I'm good for it, but I'm too shy and too new for a prank to be on me. How do I tell them I don't want to be pranked? And who do I tell? I I need to tell you a story. And I can't remember if I've said this on this podcast before. Not my family, but a family that was good family friends when I was growing up. And I almost—I would really like to recreate this one day if I was ever like a parent of someone. So mother, father, son, daughter. Daughter brings home a new boyfriend and they're having spaghetti. They've cooked this nice, lovely meal. At the end of the meal, the parents go, well, kids, uh, it's time like what we always do. We have to wash dishes together. And they proceeded to lick their plates clean and then just put them back in the cupboard. And I think that is... <gasps> <laughs> a a great trial by fire to introduce someone to their family dynamic because that's very much them to like kind of <laughs> do that to somebody but also again not again be overtly like rude or mean or awful to somebody as well there is one of those things where people love when there's a new person in the family dynamic yeah. to like kind of haze them very uh, lightheartedly but i think this goes into what you said in the first question which is Like, if you're not cool with it, you kind of have to come out and be like, these are my boundaries. Like, (laughs) I'm okay with being in on some of this stuff, but I I can't go much further than this. Yeah, I disagree, actually, Kyle. Mm -hmm. I think that if you're in a, if this family loves to prank, you, you can't change an entire ecosystem because you're not comfortable with it. Right. Plus, you can't also be like the doer, but not the doey. My last three relationships beg to differ. (laughs) No, but if you're, if you're in it to prank people, then you, it's unrealistic to say that you can't prank me. Like Mm -hmm. if you're in it, you're in it. And I think if you know upfront, and this is an important part of this family's dynamic, I think it's going to be a tough fit for you. I think you got to take a step back and just say, is it all in good fun? Yes. And I, I really relate to this because, you know, at 28, you're still kind of discovering who you are and you, you know, you kind of still like, I know for me at 28, I really wanted to make a good impression. I didn't want to show myself as having any faults. I didn't want to feel like I was out of control and pranking would do all of those things. So I think you can't change the ecosystem. I think you can talk to, cause it does say in the question, who do I tell? I think you do talk to your partner. Like don't, I think you just mm-hmm. go to your partner and just say, I'm a little bit nervous. Like I'm going to be pranked and. Like, I'm not super courageous, which gives him an opportunity to be in on it and say, okay, if we're going to prank her, let's be fair prankers. Let's let's right. let's break her in easy uh, versus, you know, going to the wall with it. Or joining with the partner so that they can come up with a good exactly. thing together. I was going to say, too, I also think it often depends in what, in what environment the prank is happening. Meaning, is this happening at your house or the family home when it's just the family there? 
or is this a public thing? Because I think I, that does change things a little bit for me. Whereas if it's only at family functions and in, I don't know, it feels like a more safe space to be a little bit more goofy or or, or prankish than it is like we're in the middle of a Denny's and now we're going to pull this prank and that makes it worse. Yeah, I think you you do want to have yeah. I, I think we're saying the same thing where we want it to be, you know, fair and, and done with dignity. But I, I just think if you're in it with a, with a pranking family, you know, I was I was listening to a, uh, a group of friends talk about another friend of ours and, and how much she changed by dating a guy who loved to prank and they had a pranking family. And she was a very particular person, usually not the type of in on the joke, but she just really let herself go and became this real, this really transformative person that stopped taking herself too seriously. Mm-hmm. And it really revealed this amazing authenticity about her like about her and for her that really served her. And she would argue that by embracing this lighter side, that a lot of doors opened to her that had remained closed because she was such a, you know, such a sit back, you know, buttoned up type of person. I think back to how she got engaged. You know, she was one of those people that had a Pinterest board of like how I want it to go down and gave it to her partner and was like, this is how I want it to be. I want to put it on Instagram. Like I, I want it to be this whole thing. And he did the long game where he said, my dad is turning 50 and we're having a party and the theme of the party is Hulk Hogan and you have to come dress as Hulk Hogan. And she's like, really? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to give you a hundred bucks to help you out on a costume, but I need like the long hair and the mustache and the little tight shorts and the whole thing. And she walks in to a room of everybody dressed in their own proper clothes and her dressed as Hulk Hogan and he gets down on one knee and is like, will you marry me? She's dressed like Hulk Hogan. And he's like, this is who I am. And, you know, it's just, you know, as long as you're in it to win it, you know, that worked for her. But I think it took a lot of trust between her and this guy to for him to say, like, I'm abandoning these 70 5,000 pins and I'm going with the Hulk Hogan thing because then she'll always have a memory of me down on one knee and her with a long blonde mustache (laughs) and bandana looking back at me. Now, I'm not sure that's my brand, but it would be amazing what people think you can do. I do have to tell you, since you were telling the, the thing about the dishes, a girlfriend of mine, a different girlfriend of mine, he was taking forever to introduce her to the family. And she was kind of like, I don't know if it's me. I don't know if he doesn't like me. Like my family's met him a bunch of times. He's a regular at Sunday dinner. Like what is going on? And he's like, yeah, I just, you know, I think you're going to be a tight fit for my family. Like I, and she's like, really? And he's, he's like, yeah, I'm just being honest. Like we have a kind of a particular thing that we look for. And she's like, really? And that's like, is it like, is what is it about me that isn't? And he's like, it's complicated to explain. Anyway, this went on for months and she's like, oh my God, like he's not sure about me. Like his family's not going to like me. And finally he's like, listen, I'm bringing you over to meet my family and I just need you to go with it. And I need you to respect that my family is the way my family is. And I have never judged your family. And she's like, oh my God. And he's like, listen to me. I have never judged your family. I want you to come and be open-minded about my family. And I'm bringing you there because I really love you. Despite all the headwinds of my family, I really love you. And so she's just like panicking about what to wear, what to say, what to bring. She's got herself in a knot. She shows up there and the family's, you know, really cordial and really nice. And then the mom pulls up the, pulls out the family album and she's like, you know, come here and sit down. I want to tell you our family story. And, and she's opening it up and she's like, you know, this is my great, great grand father and he married his first cousin my great great grandmother and then my brother married his cousin sister and then and you realize God. this family is completely fucking inbred and she's like you know we really want to get to know you but you're not one of us you're an outsider and we don't really have a lot of outsiders and she's like oh my god this family tree is a bush yeah they really wanted him to be with his one and they go on about like we really thought he'd be with meredith his cousin and we so this is a big surprise for us and she's like buying it entirely turns out this family had worked on this album for months they knew That's that amazing. she was the one that he liked her it would they played this incredibly long game they let her go through this whole album they show the family tree and how it's like a circle and they get in the vehicle and she's like can't say anything because he's like i love you don't judge my family and they're driving around and she's like so i i like are you really close with your cousin <laughs> <laughs> finally he just can't keep it in anymore and he just was like this is not real and she's like oh 
my god <laughs> like i'm and but they had played this long game for months in terms of building this album and having people and she said that there were people there that she then never met again that they were just like family friends of friends that had come to like make the dinner party and like people wore their hair the same on purpose like it was like Amazing. the long game that was played that. that's so good. to prank this to prank this they're married now i should say that they're married now i like that kind of stuff um i would be like <laughs> i really hate to ask this but um who was your first kiss <laughs> So that would be my question. <laughs> at that. By the way, going back to the Hulk Hogan thing, my dad had a remarkable resemblance to Hulk Hogan when I was growing up. Really? Except, except like not uh, with no muscle and a quarter of the uh, charisma. But yes, he had a remarkable <laughs> resemblance to Hulk Hogan. I want our listeners to know that I've 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 made several goals this year. One of the goals, and I think you guys will all be surprised to know this, is that if you follow us on Instagram, which I hope you do, at Somebody Date, you'll see that Kyle and I go out to the movies all the time. We go out to the ballet. We go out to the theater. We like to be two people about town. I cannot get into Kyle's place. I cannot get into <laughs> Kyle's place. I don't know if he has bodies in the freezer or what, but I cannot get into this guy's house. So I've set a goal to get into the house and I want to meet Kyle's parents. These Why are my two do you goals. want to make my parents? Well, you know my parents. <sighs> I'm not much your mother. Oh, well, that won't happen. But that's that's different. That's, that's different. <laughs> sure. You can meet Stan and Joy at some point. I don't know when that's going to be. But um, all right. Here's the next question. My boyfriend loves to embarrass me. He points out when I make a mistake, corrects me in front of my friends and family. And God help me if I exaggerate, which is something I'm working on not doing. Why does he do this? Um, I, the question that... Why he sucks, Jen? Well, I think that she's asking the wrong question here because the question should be, uh, why do I care? And why am I still here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so back to my topic. See, this back is, to my yeah, topic this is like you... not pranking or stuff like this. This is... No. Uh, I hate this type of stuff of being like dressed down in front of other people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's only cool. one reason why, why people do this kind of shit. And that's because they have no respect for you. So just to the person who submitted this... Do you want to be in a relationship with someone that doesn't respect you? Honestly, honestly, like, do you owe him money? <laughs> no, I'm serious. I, it's, yeah, yeah. I had an aunt, a dearly, dearly beloved aunt who had a husband who used to do this. And I, it, it was, it was hard to watch. It was, it's hard mm. to watch. It's, and you, there's no winners in this kind of behavior, right? Cause what they're saying is you're not, I'm going to make you perfect and I'm going to police you and hold you to account. Uh, if those things bother you, don't date that kind of person. And if this is helping, like, I, this is not a court-ordered relationship. You guys both have agency. If you don't like this kind of behavior uh, where someone has to be absolutely impeccable for their word or you police them, go be with somebody else who is impeccable. And Well, talking about, like, pet peeves, I know we all get into this a little bit, especially if it's in something that we know a lot of knowledge about, but being ultra-pedantic about stuff is so mind-numbingly frustrating to me. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, I'm using sure. literary tools here to build a case. I know that this is not exactly. exactly the way I said this. Exactly. Yeah, this is a bunch of red flags. And like I said last week, you don't need to be a collector of red flags. One is enough. Uh, to the person who submitted this question, your relationship is over. Let me be the first to tell you. What else we got in the fishbowl? Here's one last question. How do you come back from embarrassment? Twice, I've been in relationships and something's happened and I just say, like, I can't come back from this. And I ghost them. How do I stop this? I'm 32. There's two exclamation points after 32. <laughs> well, listen, I get it, right? Because if you've been with someone for a little while and then you have a streak of embarrassment and you're like, well, I can never see that person again. Uh, I think this is a real struggle for people. <laughs> I, have you ever been humiliated to the point where you've ghosted someone? No, I can't say that I have. Never, never to that level. I've definitely been embarrassed. I've definitely been embarrassed in front of people before where I don't want to respond back to them, but uh, I've never actually ghosted them because of that. You know, I, I have such a visual reaction to this question because I relate to it with such greatness. I don't want to... I don't want to be Debbie Downer on, on April Fool's Day, but I got to tell you, like when I was in the eighth grade, I, my social studies teacher, which would be hilarious because I work in the political space. My social studies teacher said, uh, is, can you just stand? Can you just stand up for a minute? And I was like, uh, sure. Now, how old are you in the eighth grade? Uh, yeah, 14, 13. 13. So enough that everything in your life is going wrong. She, I remember No one is on at the, their optimal <laughs> no, anything. No, no. Everybody is just in a state of quiet crisis. And I remember tugging on the, you know, tugging on the bottom of my 
my little blazer and thinking, oh God. And she said, um, do me a favor and make eye contact with each of the students in the class. Like really look at them. And to this day, like I'm, I'm 39 years old and I can remember the faces of every single student. It's like seared in my brain. Look at each of them. And they're looking back at me thinking, oh God. <laughs> and we're looking at each other with these quiet desperation. And she said, are you finished? And I said, yes, yes, ma'am. And she said, I just want you to know that when the people of this classroom go on to do great things in their lives, you will serve them their lunch. Wow. Because you're not worth anything. Sit down and don't speak again. And I sat down and you like the humiliation that it's one of those things where you can feel how hot your body is because you're that beat red. And I just sat there and I was so humiliated. And here's the thing. This happened to me. I'll just call it out. This happened to me at West Island College. The woman who did it to me was a teacher by the name of Stephanie Grant. She was the headmaster's uh, wife at the time, which tell me how that's appropriate, but whatever. And to this day, I will not drive past that campus. If I have to go to the farmer's market next door, I go all the way around so that I can avoid that place. And when I have experienced success, like I've Johns Hopkins, Harvard, Oxford, when I've experienced great success, I have instinctively thought of that woman. That is how searing that embarrassment has stayed with me and how much I have done work to avoid it. If I, if someone like attaches me on LinkedIn or reaches out to me and is like, Hey, do you remember we went to West Island college together? I'm like, um, Jennifer died in a fire. (laughs) Like I just avoid it altogether. So what I'm trying to say with that super, you know, blissful story on a Friday evening is that the fear of embarrassment really can, really can stay with you. The difference is what I talked about before, which is the trust and the confidence of the, of the ecosystem that's built around it. What I was dealing with as a young person was scorched earth. There was no safe place. There was no place to hide. What you need to cultivate in a relationship is a place to be vulnerable. We don't talk about this enough. I think we need to do a whole episode about this is you need to cultivate a place to be vulnerable. If you are only building relationships where you're like, I have to be good and perfect. And if something goes awry, I have to immediately like move or be done or ghost or take all the feelings that have been built and get rid of them. Uh, You will be submitting this question when you are 42 and 52 Mm -hmm. and 62, because so long as you don't have a place to be vulnerable. You don't have a place to be authentic. And when you don't have a place to be vulnerable and authentic, you don't have a place to be safe. And it's the safety that provides that necessary netting for you to embarrass yourself by accident and embarrass yourself on purpose. And I will bring, I will just close by saying that I shared your list last week of the things that like Kyle's Mm. top 10, because as I pointed out to the audience, um, I am those 10 things. I loved the one where you said, well, dance in the kitchen. And I was surprised to hear Jesus say in a rarely redeeming moment for himself, he was like, that is without question, the thing I love the most about you is how you will find something. Even if you're dancing to your own song, you just will wear these stupid socks and you will just dance around stupid in the kitchen. And you don't care what I think of you. And you don't care how your body looks and you don't care because you're just in that moment. And it is something that is charming. And it took me too long to get to that place where I was the girl who was like, I'm dancing in the kitchen. I don't give a shit what you think. Mm -hmm. So it comes from self and it comes from building relationships with resilience. I think the biggest thing coming from this question is that obviously, yes, you are feeling super exposed, hurt. I cannot ever show my face again in front of this person, but we don't actually know what the other people thought in this situation, right? Maybe they really don't care or they just found and discovered a new part of you. They're like, oh, I really want to explore that a little bit more. Who cares if they embarrass themselves? That's that's cool. Like, I I don't know. I always liken it to art and other stuff that I love. I, I think I tend to like things that have a bit of a ragged edge around them anyways, where it's like, yeah, it's not like perfect, but it was like made for me. So I kind of love it because of that. Yeah. God forbid you may be charming. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You have to have that meet cute somehow. I do want to say one other thing here, Jen. You better hope that nothing mysterious happens ever to that woman because you're like the number one person that the police are going to show up on their door. It's like we listen to the podcast and uh, you <laughs> you have told this traumatic story and obviously you were the murderer. <laughs> um yeah i yeah i i if she treated me like that there's an allegiance of young people that would come forward that woman is primed to be canceled and you know how i feel about cancel culture Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she taught me how many years ago and was a hundred years old (laughs) 
So I think we're going to be fine. Let's go to the burning question. Can we go to the burning question, please? We can. So this burning question this week comes from the New York Times. Um, I'm so excited that you were able to pull this from behind the paywall. And it was written by Benedict Carey from 2008. But here's the bullet section from uh, April Fool, The Purpose of Pranks. Psychologists have studied pranks for years, often in the context of harassment, bullying, and all manner of malicious exclusion and prejudice. Yet practical jokes are far more commonly an effort to bring a person into a group. Anthropologists have found an integral part of rituals around the world intended to temper success with humility. And recent research suggests that the experience of being duped can stir self-reflection in a way few other experiences can, functioning as a check on arrogance or obliviousness. So is this bullshit, Jen, or do you agree with this? No, I do really, really agree with this. I really agree with this. And I think that I love the historical context that this article brings into it. I do think that in a world where we take ourselves so seriously, right? Where we take our, like, I think it's one thing to take your work very seriously, but to take yourself so seriously, I think sometimes a good check around like, hey, I can make you humble and I can make you have some self-reflection about your mm-hmm. own ignorance or your own sense of sense of self. Uh, I, I do think that that pranks help to do that. But I think part of my most favorite thing about this article is that first part where it talks about practical jokes really are an effort to bring people into a group, right? Mm-hmm. I think especially here in Canada, you know, there's a lot of people talking about what Canadians are and aren't right now. And I think that one of the things we are is we're people that build community. And I think doing it in a really light, lighthearted way, I think really is quintessentially who we are. I like this. I, I like this. I like this. I think that this is a great way to think about pranks. Yeah, there, I think there's a lot to this here. Not that I condone like hazing or anything like that, but there, there is a, a part of this of why when you join the football team or the volleyball team or you join a sorority or whatever it happens to be, there is that inclusion because, hey, we've all gone through this and hey, we've all been made to look ridiculous a little bit. For sure. Uh, this is also why I think like certain online fandoms proliferate so well because there's in jokes and memes that get shared and why uh, April Fool's Day here today people were suckered in by things that were posted online like oh I can't believe this thing is real when it's not actually real it kind of breeds that inclusiveness because there were some of us that got duped along the way yeah for for sure I think this is a great way to look at pranks and pranks in relationships is that it's about bringing people in and it's about sharing a laugh together right? And I think that that's good. I think we got to laugh. Yeah. Life isn't about the laughter. It's about being duped along the way. I think that's really what we need to learn this week. (laughs) Yeah. Really, this Instagram content writes itself, doesn't it, Kyle? It does. Uh, Well, if you want to be included here with on the podcast with your own ideas, questions you want to send in or or help us out on social media, you can do so by going to our website, which is somebodydatejenandkyle.com. That's Jen with two N's. We're also at somebodydate on our three major platforms, which is Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Absolutely. And once a month on Wednesday nights, you can find us on CJSW Radio. That's right. It's the first Wednesday of every month, right? That's correct. Sure is. You can find us doing our best radio voices. No, we don't actually sound like that. Can you imagine if we did? No one would listen. I wish we had a soundboard we could we could do and be like, <laughs> well, welcome to K-Dog and Jen early in the mornings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so happy Friday evening. Happy April Fool's. Have a laugh with someone you love. Stay safe out there and we'll see you next Friday night. Good night. Bye. Bye.